Listen. Are you listening? <laughs> This is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan. Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. Thanks so much for joining us today here on Radio Taiwan International. Up ahead this hour, it's hashtag Taiwan highlights and in the spotlight. But as always, we kick things off with a brand new edition of Here in Taiwan. Hello and welcome to Here in Taiwan. If you're just joining us on our Facebook live stream, welcome to you. Today is Wednesday, the 13th of October. If you're joining us by shortwave, it's the 14th of October. Welcome to you as well. I'm John Ventriest, and dancing here in the studio with me today, we've got Shirley Lin. Hi there. And Thomas Kopper. Hello. In just a moment, we're going to be telling you about Penghu's Chinese trash problem. Also, what are you talking about? The Taipei Metro attempts to coin a new English word. And we're going to be telling you why it might not be a great idea to fire breathe atop a mountain. All that coming up next. Please stick around. Well, these days, the Penghu Islands off Taiwan's west coast are awash not in tourists, but in tons of trash. Much of it floating over from China, it sounds like. 70%, in fact. Um, the South Penghu Marine National Park uh, has announced that it it has trouble cleaning up the trash that keeps washing up on its shores. Uh, most of the trash comes from China, around six, 70%. And uh, they're having trouble because there's more tra- trash coming in that they have time to clean up. They need like nets or something to catch it all. And Probably. Just... Um, they're relying on volunteers that they are paying 1,500 NT per day plus accommodation. And apparently they had a lot of interest. Uh, yeah, in Taiwan is famous for having big beach cleanups. Like we're yes. really, really big on that. Much needed, if I might add. <laughs> right. We even have foreigners who come to Taiwan well, and yeah. they, <laughs> they were diving and then they saw this trash and so started collecting all the trash and now they're making it into like a monthly thing or maybe like a yearly thing. Yeah, well, it sounds like it may need to be a bit more often than that. Yeah. Um, so how do they know 70%? Have they like, is that a, an estimate or I have they done some sort of a... No, it's... it's Ticking through it. And y- you can probably tell just by looking at the trash. Um, uh, I don't know if you've ever been to something? like a public beach. And I mean public, public, as in no one cleans it up in mm-hmm. Taiwan. If you look around, there's a lot of trash um, that sadly just gets washed up because um, you can clean the beaches. It's much harder to clean the oceans. Yeah. And a lot of the labels are in Chinese simplified. or simplified, simplified Chinese. 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 So characters Obviously, are different, yes. so it's, it's obvious. Um, but I have seen trash from all over. <laughs> the beaches are pretty international in that way in Taiwan. Maybe really? J- Japanese? I've seen um, <laughs> Japanese. Um, I, I can't remember Japanese. I've seen some um, Vietnamese, I think. Mm. Um, oh. Indonesian, I assume. I I can't really recognize well, we Indonesian. We have a lot of migrant reliably. workers from those places. Right. So, um, well, the <laughs> trash that I've seen. Locally sourced. The trash that I've Locally sourced garbage. <laughs> <laughs> it's. Free range. A lot of the trash is, um, you know, all bleached 
out it's it's very uh, kind of the colors are faded so it yeah. seems like it's been in the ocean for a while mm. um i assume this is coming from, you know being being brought over by ocean currents yeah uh, well i suppose that i i've lived in japan before it's a very clean country people are very you know very courteous about you know uh, cleanliness and not throwing trash around, so I would assume there wouldn't be that much not likely to, coming from yeah. Japan. Although I, I would say that both Taiwan and Japan um, suffer from a, a problem of overpackaging things. True. Oh True. yes, that is a that is for sure. I yeah, I refuse to buy some Japanese snacks because there's so much packaging. Right. Although I really like the content inside. <laughs> I I really like uh, uh, garlic green peas. Mm. But uh, they come in a bag that contains smaller Little bags. Smaller packs, yeah. That, and each pack only has around 10, maybe 15 <laughs> peas. There's more packaging okay. than peas. <laughs> There's more packaging <laughs> than peas, exactly. So I've heard that they're having trouble also because of a, a monsoon, northwest monsoon winds right. that hit Taiwan. Uh, the the mons- monsoon is one thing. COVID restrictions, uh, level three restrictions that have been recently lifted, um, all that kind of combined and prevented the the cleanup to go ahead as scheduled. And I imagine that the winds probably kick up the waves, which brings more trash. Oh, yes. Uh, So they're expecting um, a lot, many more tons. The the cleanup has already resulted in 50 tons of garbage being cleaned up from the beaches. big islands. Where do you put all that garbage? Exactly. I mean, that shows you how much garbage gets washed up on the the shores. Wow. Um, Yeah, they do have strong winds in Penghu, too. They do, right. But... You know, I don't know. Maybe maybe the local uh, radio stations are going to have to have their daily garbage forecast. Or, you know, we can expect uh, about uh, ten tons washing in from the northwest. <laughs> Watch out for a, a current of uh, discarded flip flops. Yeah, that's <laughs> uh, a shame. Uh, I hope they can get more volunteers into those islands. Let's soon. hope. Mm. Well, different organizations in Taiwan really try hard to, to coin new English words and make them stick. And I wonder if this one will be a greater success than some past attempts. Notably, you may recall, if you've lived in Taiwan, Fubbing. Fubbing, P-H-U-B-B-I-N-G. Which was, I saw it spelled with an F, which is like when you, oh. it's supposed to mean when you look at your phone and just keep looking at your phone, I guess. And oh, I thought it was looking yeah. at your phone when you're clubbing. And you're yeah, being, I don't know. It was very unclear. <laughs> no, you're being really no, that, I, that word, that word never really caught okay, on. It didn't. But, but now well, we've got a new one. I, I know that that one for fubbing, um, it was two words, phone and snub. Which is a terrible... No. Because they think mm. you're such a... What? Snub? <laughs> such a snob? I don't know. It, it, didn't, it didn't catch on, and thankfully, <laughs> it because did. it was a terrible word. You know, I've, now I've got, got a, a feeling one. that talking is catching on because both of you were talking about it even before we started this show it's because we're talking about talking <laughs> it's like walking talk you know you're it's from new york cute. and cute <laughs> i kind of like it anyway so it's walking with a t in front of talking and basically it's the taipei's mass rapid transit our subway system our metro system yeah, yeah their um, attempt to get people to not tweet not right like looking walking. down in mobile and walking very slowly and aimlessly while they're sending messages texting in the station in the blocking station. people's path yeah mm-hmm. talking oh gosh but anyway um you know because just only from january to august this year 
there's been more than 70 injuries reported because of people talking. Okay. <laughs> and, and so. I can't get over that. I'm getting <laughs> overclimbed. <laughs> Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, so this is pretty bad. That's actually 44% of a total of like 143 injuries that's been reported involving people falling. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah. Anyway, now Taipei Metro is not only just invented this word. You know, actually, and I've come to realize that they've been doing a lot, like holding up posts, holding up signs, which I guess doesn't really pay much attention. They're so small. And where there's like a sign of... Um, about volunteers. Of uh, words. But but there's one of um, a cartoon caricature. It's, and it, I think this this dog... It's a dog. I think it's a cat. It's the um. It, oh, no, it's, oh, no, it's the, a dog. It's a. It's, it's the a uh, Shiba Inu. Shiba, okay. Shiba Inu. Yeah. Okay. Now I, I guess that's the mascot for Taipei Metro. Mm-hmm. Um. So on the on the on the right on the right whatever. Um. It's him falling and and you know dropping his phone and it's get uh, all smashed and he even lose a tooth. He ends up in you the see ICU. That? See that? Yeah. And on the right, left side, he ends up in the ICU, totally bandaged from top to bottom. And so, like, they've been holding this. And I think I have seen this um, mascot. I mean, not in person, not like someone wearing the mascot, but, you know, like signs of it. And I thought it was cute. But that's about it. I don't notice what's written under it. I don't, I don't see the warnings, the signs, you know. I don't notice either because I'm too busy looking at my phone. Yeah. <laughs> that's not good. While, so, while I'm walking. Yeah. <laughs> Talking. So um, uh, they've been doing all kinds of things. They've even been like, you know, um, over the intercom, they've been telling people not to use their phone while walking through the station. And they've like, they've dispatched people holding up placards, right? Not to stare at their phone. And um, this cartoon came out October 4th and with this dog, Shiba Inu, and with captions saying, pay attention while walking to avoid injury in Chinese and English. But I think they're so small under the the the, the, the you know the cartoon small. itself. Yeah, that I don't really see that. But um um and then on Facebook on their official Facebook post they said, I've said this a hundred times. I don't know if it's in Chinese or English, but this this is translated. I've said this a hundred times. I don't know whether this has gotten to, through to you. When walking, look where you're going. Don't swipe your phone while walking. So that's what they've been having on their Facebook post. Okay, I'm I'm glad to hear that that uh, they actually uh, spread their message not just at the stations. Yeah, they're uh, gonna they need because... to put it on Instagram too. So yeah, while exactly. you're looking at Instagram, you can be like, oh wait, I <laughs> like should be doing this. I should be doing this. <laughs> what's the point of warning people not to look at their phones in a way that they, that they won't see because they're too busy <laughs> looking at their phones? Looking down so you can't see it. Yeah. So um, the other thing is also they're warning people when they're getting onto the train not to look at their phone because they lose their footing right in between the platform and the train. Now that can be really dangerous, um, that's for sure. So basically, um, yeah, they've been doing a lot. I don't know how useful, how effective it is, but they've really, really been trying very hard. And they're trying to also get this word to catch on. Yeah. I don't know. I don't they know. Could, they could I, go over the it, intercom and be like, could. they could be like, stop swalking, you're gonna fall. <laughs> <laughs> They should it's get you so to record to that. Uh, over it's just you feel like you're, you're gonna. Cr- <laughs> <laughs> you talk into me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I I'm uh, telling you, I like this word better than fubbing. Oh yeah, for sure. This oh, is, no. you know, they're smart. I, I I'd say I, it's gonna stick with me. You I'm can talk really when you get to the fourth floor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. gonna tell them that you're gonna do the recording for them. Uh, you know, uh, f- throughout all the MRT stops. 
I think that would really catch on. That really would. People would have a good, good laugh, and then they'll they would stop looking on down on their phone. It worked Hopefully on us. It works. Yeah, it worked on us. See, right? right? You're gonna fall. Ugh. <laughs> 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 John even does that with an accent. <laughs> That's what's funny. I don't know. You gotta forget about it. <laughs> anyway, um, so here's the reason why you should not fire breathe on top of a mountain. I didn't know that you would need any uh, any reasons not to. I I would not like to because it involves like blowing kerosene everywhere. Right. Yes. And that so, sounds pretty like a bad idea to begin with. Yeah. Many oh, of you might so have dangerous. seen. Many of you might have seen this trick. Um, it's popular among street performers. Um, they they take a sip of kerosene uh, and then blow it uh, out on on a on a flame, and then it looks like you're breathing fire. And a, a person in Taiwan decided to do that uh, uh, at the top of a mountain. It's uh, Yuan Yuan Zui Shan in. Uh, Never heard of that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, I thought. Oh, not, okay, no. Not particularly noteworthy mountain. <laughs> Um, the problem is that this doing something like this is uh, fantastically illegal in Taiwan because it is technically a forest area and starting a fire in forest areas carries a fine of up to 10,000 US dollars. So maybe I exaggerated with the yeah. fantastically illegal. <laughs> <laughs> but 10,000 US dollars is nothing to sneeze at. No, especially in Taiwan where we have a much lower uh, income generally speaking, than in the U.S. That's right. Um, so who was this person? A uh, photographer? It looks like a fancy photographer, an Instagrammer. I mean, the, the photos uh, come from his Instagram uh, account that has now been closed uh, after he issued an apology. Um, the photos were spread um, between groups of hikers um, on Facebook, and a lot of them have apparently notified the authorities. Um, but the interesting thing is the... Mm, person who took the photos actually posted uh, additional information in in underneath uh, where they said that uh, th they met police officers as they were coming down. Oops. They said like, well, don't do bad things because we met cops on the way down, but they were okay with it and they just thought we were cool. <laughs> what? So so we've got cops not enforcing the law, right? Oh. And then you know, citizen sleuths citizen mm. in you know police inspectors found that out and informed the authorities um well apparently he didn't do it on just one mountain top was it um well we only have photos from from the one mountain top i don't think he will admit to any other wrongdoing <laughs> at this point in time uh, okay. what, was, what was the idea like why did he he thought this would be a great place to breathe fire it's and cool. take a photo? your guess is as good and as it mine. is kind of a dramatic photo but... right but i I'm not a fan of doing things like that. Just, I mean, I hate like weird tastes in my mouth, so oh. I would not be able to take a sip uh, of yeah, kerosene. That's gross. Um, I don't know, um, but I, I, you know, it is a serious problem because we had a, a pretty large for Taiwan uh, forest fire on Ali Shan, I believe it was right. earlier in the year. Yeah, that's true. And it was, it took like a ridiculous number of helicopters and a tremendous amount of water to get under control. So, so maybe don't start any more fires, please. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, if you if you start a fire and and you burn a part of the forest or the whole thing, you could uh, face face jail time in Taiwan. Yeah. And wasn't mm. there a, a government official who accident? Well, they said they accidentally knocked over a, a stove and then started another fire. Another that fire. might have been the same one. <laughs> We've had a lot of problems this year yeah. with well, these fires. 
I mean, definitely that picture looks cool, but um, you know, people you just thought just, it's just cool to do something like that. Because remember, some time ago, there was a woman who actually climbed to the top of a mountain. Maybe it was Yusan, the tallest mountain, in a bikini. Yeah. And she took a picture. I mean, just people just want to boost their following on Instagram or something, and they just thought it's cool. And I don't know. I this mean, has become so common in Taiwan that I don't think anyone's getting a boost from posting. Mountain photos. I mean, you could ju- you could just Photoshop it. it also, you don't have to actually go do it. You know? <laughs> Some people thought that these photos were Photoshop, yeah. but uh, then you can actually see fire uh, on the ground as well. Some of the oh. kerosene must have spilled or something. Oh yeah, you're right. You ca- oh well, wow. it looks like you already started catching oh something. I know. Yeah. Okay, do you want to turn around and show our viewers? The rest of you can just imagine this scenario. Right. <laughs> kind of hold it up a little bit to the it's, camera. Yep. Yeah. It's this great radio, guys. Ooh. Gosh. Anyway, uh, it Um, is a very uh, dramatic photo, but uh, not worthwhile. Yeah. Oh, yeah, really. Don't do it. Unlike in many parts of the world, people in Taiwan are generally okay with the idea of wearing masks. It was a thing before COVID when you're unwell. It's just a polite thing to do here. Uh, but there is one major downside to wearing a mask, and that is that uh, facial expressions can be lost. Uh, but that could soon be a thing of a pa- the past, thanks to uh, an associate professor at National Tsinghua University. This professor's name is Bao Shengying, and uh, they've developed a, a way of using AI to detect your emotional state. And it kind of looks like it'll... Well, there's different ways of doing it, but uh, sort of display something where your mask is so that people can kind of okay. gauge your, how you're feeling. Sounds like it's going to be a very expensive mask to have then. It's called, well, I don't know if they're disposable or if you can wash them or what. It's like, it probably involves electronics. So you probably... Yeah, I don't know. That sounds like a lot of e-waste now that you mention it. But <laughs> um, It's called the emo mask, which I thought would just be like... A, it just make you like have like dark, streaky, dark hair yeah, like streaky uh, eyeliner on your face, pale skin. Pale, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, but no, it's uh, actually a mask that expresses. It's interactive and expresses uh, your emotions, and it also has speech recognition. So I guess it's your tone of voice, and it has different sensors. I don't know if they're like all on your face or what, but uh, it outputs feelings as well as animations or other interactive messages on a display panel. So not actually directly on your mask. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm, I got excited I don't know if there you for like, a second. Have to, did you like hold it up? Yeah, no, really, right? <laughs> Look, I'm really happy, guys. <laughs> not sure um, if I want this. It's a very portable device. Portable. It only has a 20 kilogram battery yes. pack that you have <laughs> that to you have to run out. And then uh, <laughs> antenna. <yeah>. It's <laughs> a 30 inch display on over know. your head. Too much of a hassle. Well, <laughs> that might be the case for you or I, but in certain places they're thinking that this uh, new invention could be uh, could be useful, and they're specifically mentioning. Places that either have a lot of noise or like a lot of maybe stress. So they're talking factories, hospitals, and something called tertiary service industries, which I should have looked up before I came down here, but I have no <laughs> idea what that means. Okay. Um, and uh, however, development's still in its preliminary phase, and they haven't actually developed one for a commercial use. So it seems to mostly just be an idea now. But uh, they're thinking that uh, overseas might be a good market for it as well because... I don't know. I don't really get this feeling, but they're saying that overseas in this article, they say that people overseas find that people who wear masks project aloofness or indifference. I can understand that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
So I don't know. Would you guys wear such a device? <laughs> no. <laughs> I wouldn't, but I would probably like to see someone else wear one. I, mean, I know. I've, so I've can... been here. I've been here almost two weeks. Uh, it's been two weeks since I started working, and I still haven't really, you know, learned your faces because we wear masks around the office. Oh, yeah. Okay. You know, now that you mentioned it, it is true. I've heard yeah. stories of people like, uh, not in Taiwan, but being like, oh, they really liked somebody, but then. They saw them with their mask <laughs> off for the first time. And went never mind. Oh no! <laughs> it, was, so, it was supposed to. It could be. It might be better this way. It, no, we should learn to speak our mind through our eyes. Oh yes, smizing. 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 It's, it's like, That's oh, another term. I will tire banks to us. I don't know. I don't know if we can say that <laughs> on the air. Someone yeah. notify DMRT. There are words that they still <laughs> haven't invented. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, some time ago, I don't know if you guys realized they tried to make these like transparent masks. So they can actually see through to your mouth, though your your cover. Sounds like we just fog up, though. Well, <laughs> <You're just> like, <laughs> they were thinking about you know people who are deaf. True. They need to oh, read your lips. Right. Yes. Yeah, and that didn't turn out to have mass production of that. I think mm. it just didn't quite work because mm. you know what? At a distance, I always thought about this. At a distance, it would look like you're not wearing a mask, and you could be fine. Right. Yeah. True. Also, like your your nose would be like all squashed. Uh, which would make you look weird. Not a factor, <laughs> I guess. Well, Less important than, yeah, than that's, yeah, providing... That's really important to you. Well, I don't know how you would make something people. also that's transparent but also breathable at the same time. If you just got a big sheet of plastic over your face, you're going to suffocate. I yeah, it's not, a, a particular kind of... I have seen that in real life. kind of yeah. um, material. What, people I, I putting remember. A, just a sheet of plastic yes. over their face? Yes. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, oh. That was back in Poland um, where attitudes towards masks are loose, let's say. Uh, I've seen someone at a supermarket who obviously had forgotten their mask and they just put like a, paper, a plastic bag uh -huh. over their mouth and were just breathing in <laughs> to hold it in place. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound very that's, safe. No, no. That's, yeah, that sounds dangerous. You could suffocate. From the, photos from the States and I'm not sure if they're true or not. They could have been photoshopped of people like just putting underwear on their <laughs> 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 Yeah, so, even some people we, here were like putting buckets over their heads. And and things like that to protect themselves. I mean, back when you know it was COVID they, just started, people, people were forgotten. really hysterical. Yeah. Effectiveness aside, you have to admire the creativity behind an True. idea like that. So I don't know if we need an electronic thing to express our emotions. People are already. I don't know. I think we're well, doing just fine. Here's a crazy idea. You can actually talk to other people. You can talk. You can talk. <laughs> you can have a talk with coffee. You can talk or talk or do those things separately. Or <laughs> gestures. Gestures. Oh, gosh. I'm finding that half of this show today, I'm just laughing. <laughs> <laughs> talking. It means it was time. a good show. I just love talking. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, emo mask. Probably they should <laughs> maybe they need to have a different they need to they should have workshopped that a bit more a different name it yes. just sounds like you know um well we're kind of aging ourselves here by you know using these references i don't know if, if younger people these days know what uh, emo subculture was i think Probably it's still not. a thing i, I don't it? think i know tell me so emo comes from emotional it's and a yeah yeah people who dress in black and it was have long hair and exactly that oh. covers their face and pale skin and Oh, maybe they have like a. It's a bit like gothic. A bit goth, yeah. I, well, I I guess uh, people who do self-identify as goth will crucify us in the comments. Oh, that's a. I'm sh oh, we. Ha that's a big part of our listenership. So <laughs> you better be careful. <laughs> 
But I guess they're similar. Uh, mm. Anyway, uh, it's a Taiwanese invention. It could be made in Taiwan soon, and uh, we'll see if it catches on. Hmm. Well, that just about does it for today's edition of Here in Taiwan. Thanks to everyone who joined us and left a comment. I'm John Vintriest. I'm Shirley Lin. And I'm Thomas Kopper. See you next time. And actually, I forgot to tell you to stay tuned because coming up <laughs> next, it is hashtag Taiwan highlights and in the spotlight. Walk at us. Hashtag Taiwan. I'm your host, Leslie Liao. Thank you so much for joining me. Every week in the show, we take a look at what's trending online in Taiwan. We take a look at social media, YouTube videos, or even maybe news that's hit the internet. Now, usually I like to take a humorous and laid-back tone with this show, but this week I'm going to be talking about something a little more serious. You see, last week, or even the month before, a few Taiwanese celebrities got in trouble with netizens from China for saying certain things, and that certain thing I'm just going to tell you right now is calling Taiwan a country. Well, many of you might be thinking, well, what do Taiwanese celebrities care what Chinese netizens think? Well, there's a very important reason for that. So this week we're going to be talking about Taiwan and China, but we're going to be approaching it from the perspective of entertainment and media. I believe this is one of the more important stories that I've talked about because it gives a lot of context to a lot of the controversies we've covered, whether it be on Taiwan Insider or Radio Taiwan International. Anyway, this week's hashtag Taiwan is coming up right now. Let's talk about Taiwan and China. I know we've done it before, but there is a lot of stuff to cover. Previously, I talked about things like the shared history and why China claims Taiwan as part of its territory. And because of the reasons I spoke about in that video, Taiwan and China share a similar culture. Both countries speak Mandarin Chinese, which means whatever goes on over there translates linguistically over here. This affects the entertainment industry mostly because celebrities, shows, and other media can cross between the two countries with little to no added hurdles. For example, I have friends in Taiwan who watch shows or listen to music from China. On the other hand, I have a lot of Chinese friends who like to engage me in conversation about Taiwanese media. It's easy for entertainers from both sides to enter each other's markets. That's the first part of today's story. 
Now let's talk about the second part, which is politically sensitive rhetoric. Like I just said, China claims Taiwan as part of its territory, and that is firmly ingrained in Chinese policy. As I've pointed out many times before on hashtag Taiwan, China doesn't like it when Taiwan is referred to as a separate country. Remember, that's the reason why Taiwan had to compete as Chinese Taipei at the Olympics last month. In China, it's a lot easier for politics to influence parts of the private sector like entertainment. For example, just last week, Chinese actress Zhao Wei had her online presence removed practically overnight. My point here is, Taiwanese celebrities are in a very tricky spot. On the one hand, they can transition into the Chinese entertainment market with relative ease. On the other hand, they're already kind of controversial being from Taiwan. This week's story involves Taiwanese actress Janine Chang. Chang is vastly intelligent as proven by her master's degree in industrial economics which she got from National Central University 11 years ago after she wrote a thesis. Now this is where things get a little contentious. You see, Chinese netizens found out that Chang included the words wu guo in her thesis which means my country. Keyword being country. Chang, one decade ago, called Taiwan a country in her thesis which she wrote at a Taiwanese university. University. I mean, what was she supposed to call it? My island? My controversial homeland with precarious political standing? Chinese netizens are going after Chang and there is a campaign to label her as a Taiwanese separatist. Chang has since come out to assure people that she isn't a Taiwanese separatist. But none of this stuff is new. Last month, Taiwanese celebrity Di Su lost 1 million US dollars in endorsement fees from Chinese companies after she celebrated Taiwan's wins at the Olympics. Her infringement was calling Taiwan's athletes national competitors. National competitors. Taiwanese superstar Jolin Tsai was also accused of being pro-Taiwanese independence after she published pictures of Taiwan's athletes at the Olympics. Now look, this week I just want to show you how delicate of a position Taiwanese entertainers can find themselves in. Some of you might be thinking, well just don't go to China if it's that risky. But I think in this day and age with the internet, it's possible for Taiwanese entertainers to get wrapped up in this stuff without setting foot in China. China will come to them. And when that happens, they may have to face questions that they never wanted to answer in the first place. And that does it for this week's Hashtag Taiwan. I hope you walked away from this week's episode with a better understanding of why Taiwanese celebrities are kind of in a hard place. Anyway, guys, that's all the time we have. Until next week, stay safe, stay happy, stay healthy. I'll talk to you again soon. And don't forget to like us on YouTube at RTI English or on Facebook at Taiwan Insider. Talk to you soon. This is Highlights, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. To get a better idea of how Taiwan's military is preparing its defense, I spoke to Taiwan analyst Ian Easton. Taiwan's military response really has been threefold. On the one hand, they're investing um, more in defense, so Taiwan's defense budget has gone up. They've acquired uh, new capabilities. Um, now, some of those capabilities are obviously directed at defending Taiwan against an all-out Chinese invasion. Uh, others are really tailor-made for countering coercive uh, air and naval activity. So, for example, Taiwan's decision to acquire new F-16 fighter jets. A second thing that Taiwan has done is it's improved the readiness of its military to respond to potential Chinese intrusion. So, for example, uh, and any given minute of any given day, you're going to see Taiwan's uh, E-2 uh, early warning aircraft uh, airborne.
And the third thing that Taiwan has done, and I think this is a particularly noticeable and positive development, is the Ministry of National Defense has improved its transparency. Now, when a uh, Chinese bomber comes and circles around Taiwan, uh, the Ministry of National Defense will actually make that public, I think, to give the Taiwanese public and the international public greater confidence that Taiwan is able to manage the threats that it now faces. And I mean, in terms of equipment and, and I suppose uh, kind of battle readiness in this in this sense, there have been a number of sort of high-profile crashes involving Taiwanese Air Force planes in recent years. What does this tell us, if anything, about Taiwan's state of military preparedness and the, the weaponry and the equipment that Taiwan is using? Well, in some cases, the crashes say nothing. Uh, in other cases, they say something positive. Uh, in other cases, they say something negative. Uh, they say nothing in the case of uh, accidents. They say something negative in the case of uh, maintenance problems. For example, when the, the uh, F-5s crash, those are very, very old airframes. And the fact that they're still being flown uh, is quite remarkable. And I think that says something negative about the state of some of the older equipment that needs to be recapitalized. The positive thing, uh, I think, and this is counterintuitive because I think most people would struggle to find anything positive about a crash, but what those tell us are first that Taiwan's government and military are being very transparent about the challenges that they face and about what's going on on a day-to-day -day, uh, basis. Uh, you don't see that, for example, in China. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. And today my guest on the line is Nir Plopsky, who is a foreign rapper living in Taiwan. Nir is from Israel, and he's been in Taiwan almost 20 years. So let's all welcome Nir. Hi, Nir. Oh, hello. How are you today? I'm good. How are you today? I'm very good. It's a beautiful day. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> um, so anyway, you're from Israel, and uh, you were telling me that the reason why you came to Taiwan, well, actually it came on dif two different occasions. And the first time when you came, you were only four years old, and you came because um, your family uh, came here, kind of moved here because of your dad's mm -hmm. job. And you have an older yes. brother, too, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then you guys were here in the year 1999, but that's when we had this major earthquake that took place. And so then you guys, can I say you guys got scared, and so you guys wanted to move? A little bit. No, I, I'm still scared of all earthquakes till this day from it. Oh, I know. <laughs> that must have been terrible. You were saying that at the time you guys were living on the 13th floor, so yeah, it would have been really floor. scary, you know, the building shaking like that. I don't think I've lived ever that high. The, the highest I've mm -hmm. ever lived in Taiwan is, um, gosh, I don't know, fourth floor? <laughs> but um, That's great for earthquakes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I can understand. Yeah. But anyway, um, <laughs> but uh, even though you're still scared of earthquakes, it's not uh, refraining you from, you know, moving back here in Taiwan and, and settling mm -hmm. down. Well, let's start off with your, you know, just your background. What was your major in college? What did you study? In college, I studied uh, travel and tourism. Very interesting. Okay. 
So, um, but, but that was back in, uh, at your home country, Israel? No, that was here. That was here in Taiwan. Oh. I studied at university here. Which university? I went to Mingchuan. Oh, Mingchuan University. Which is not yes. far from RTI, from the radio station. <laughs> yes. Yeah, walking distance <laughs> almost. So then after you graduated, did you actually get a job in that field? No, no. About halfway through the degree, I realized I didn't want to do this like degree, but uh, I already started, so I I finished the degree, and uh -huh. then I went into a completely different field. Yeah. What did you What did you do after you graduated? Yeah, so I started the. So I started my music uh, production. I have my own recording studio at home. Oh, so you I did. Started work. Yeah. So I started working into that and kind of just getting the recording vocals and the whole sound of the mixing of the vocals with the music and all that and kind of trying to understand it more to do a lot better. Oh, wow. So I get it. So actually, you after graduating, you kind of pursue your dream. So you've always yes. had this dream of becoming a musician. Ever since mm -hmm. when? So it started, I would say, probably the first uh, couple of rhymes that I wrote, I was like, 14, 13, 14 years old. Okay. They were very, very basic, very basic rhymes. Uh -huh. And I was like, oh, this is pretty fun. I could do this. And then over the years, I kind of just kept practicing and improving my the whole the whole rhyme schemes. And because I really enjoy like wordplay, like I really enjoy to take words and see how can I kind of say them in a different way for them to rhyme in a different way and have multiple meanings and all that kind of stuff. So I really started to kind of read a lot more to get that practice in to really understand how the words work and how I can still say something, but I can say it completely different, but it's having the same meaning as it originally intended to. And in English? Or yes, in English. In English, English, English. Okay. Yes. And so were you already rapping at the age of 14? I was trying to. Uh -huh, I, uh -huh. I, was, I was attempting to. I'll oh. say where I actually started, like, maybe able to do proper kind of rap was probably around the age of, like, 17, 18. That's okay. around the time where I was able to really actually be able to say that I could do it. Wow. And here I am thinking that I know all, everything about rapping, which, of course, I don't. But um, do you think that it's because rappers, people who are into rapping, are mm -hmm. into rhyming like you? Do you have to really like know or be interested in, you know, like finding matching words or, you know, words sounding the same, like rhyming, like you were saying, in order to become a rapper? I would say for me personally, yes, but also because the thing about rapping, it's, it has many different kind of aspects to it. Mm. So, for example, you have the flow of how the flow is an, for me is an important one, which is it doesn't really matter what the words are as long as it kind of fits with the beat because usually the beat is like a four four so it's one two three four one two three four and if you're able to fit the words within that then it sounds good it flows nicely it really it doesn't feel like it has any gaps or any places where the words don't fit that's uh -huh. one aspect of it the other aspect is like lyrics so like lyrics is like like what i mentioned earlier where it's uh, kind of using the knowledge and being able to kind of use metaphors and similes and those kind of stuff to really kind of get an idea across using words that you usually would not use to describe that idea oh this is so interesting i had no idea you know i thought that we we're going to talk about you know, what you did after you graduated, you actually found a job and then all that kind of stuff. But actually you went right into talking about your music, which I thought was going to, 
I wasn't going to get to that until like near like the latter half of the interview. And so, oh, yeah. So, well, actually, Near does have a job. You know, doing exports, okay, exporting、yeah. from Taiwan to the world. But、um, but it looks like Nia really wants to talk about his music because that's how he really wants to promote himself. And this is very interesting. So, have your parents always supported you in your music? Then, ever since the time, like you know, when you started, yeah, like you know, when you were only in、yes. high school, in fourteen. Okay, that that's great. I mean, you know, it's so important to have your family supporting you, you know, backing up with you. Wow, I don't、yes. even know where to start to asking. Okay, now you were saying that sometimes the words don't really have to make sense when it comes to rapping and rhyming.、Um, mm-hmm. You really mean that? <laughs> I mean. A lot of rapper, a lot. There's is、um, rap is very kind of like there's a lot to it. It's not like a one thing that it kind of fits all.、Mm-hmm. Example, there's certain certain beats and certain kind of melodies that the rappers some are better on than others, and then there's others. It's a it's a very large spectrum to be of, of like music. So sometimes the kind of the melodies and the harmony of the music,、uh, the mix between the drums and the different instruments, they work so well together that people don't even say words; they just、mm. make sounds, and it still it works. Right. It still sounds good. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. I'm Shirley Lin, and with me on the phone is Nia Plopsky, a rapper from Israel here in Taiwan. First of all, Nia has released an album, so congratulations! Thank、and、you very much. And we will be playing a piece of his music at the end of the interview, so hold out for that. But、um, mm-hmm. so talking about rapping, you know, it always amazes me just how you guys don't make mistakes. Because I think I can never, I think I can never ever, for in my whole life, ever be a rapper. Because I think it's so hard. My son tries to rap. I mean, I think you know, like sometimes for a Christmas party in the church or something、mm-hmm. like that. You know, he he rapped, but um, uh, you know, I don't know how he could do that. But、uh, you know, okay, well, great, he's my son, but I don't think I can、mm-hmm. do that. How can you do it without making mistakes? Because、so- the beat is so fast. So usually, I would say there's a lot of practice that goes into it because I grew up listening to a lot of rap music. So I kind of gotten the cadences of the artists and stuff. Because when it when it comes to kind of live rap、uh, like performance and recording in the studio, it's very very different. I know people that are really good live but are not great in the studio, and I know people that are great in the studio that are not good that good live. Is that right? So it's Oh. So there's different, there's different, but it's very easy to learn how to kind of record in the studio. It's very, very simple. It just needs a little it, because in the studio it's all about cadence. It's knowing how to put the right emphasis on the right area、mm-hmm. for the song so it sticks out with the beat in the background. So、oh. it's a very, it takes practice and kind of like. It takes kind of feel. When I started、uh, recording in the studio, I had no idea what I was doing. It was just. <laughs> It was just, <laughs> it was not great. But、okay. over time, I got the practice in, and I was like, okay, well, I can try this. It's all about kind of experimentation with the voice and the vocals and the recording. And I was like, oh, maybe if I tried this here, or I do this here, and I do this there. And over time, it kind of got better and more refined,、mm. and a lot more kind of like detailed. And also, a very important thing with studio recording is the mixing and the mastering. Sure.、Um, So I mean, I can do very basic mixing and mastering. Kind of, I can make a song 
ready for release. But to really get into the whole tiny details of what it takes to kind of change the vocals and maybe take a part here and take a part there, I have I have a friend that is he's the one that makes my the, the same person that makes my beats also does my mixing and mastering for me. Oh, good. So um, after graduating with a degree in tourism, mm-hmm. did you study music then? Did you try to take some course? Aha! You're another self-taught genius. I see. Ah. <laughs> Wow, that's not easy. But then again, there's so much resources you can you can find, you know, on YouTube, on Google. I mean, there's just so on the internet. Yeah, which is true. Wow, amazing. So you really have your own studio in the house? Yeah, I have my own production studio. Ooh. I have my microphone, everything. I have had people come over to record. I've done music with many people, and they always come over. They we do recordings and all that. The whole are you saying? Thing. Are you saying that you rent out your studio? Is I that see, yeah, sometimes yeah, I'll rent out my studio. I if, see if for people, yeah. Oh my goodness, how long did it take you from, you know, graduating, you know, from Minchuan, and then mm-hmm. and then making your dream come true in like setting up a studio? And releasing an album, how long? How long a time span was that? Oh, I would say probably close to maybe like eight or nine years. Mm. Like it took me a while. What you really had, persevered? Yeah, I had great support from the family, yeah. and they they said keep going, don't give up. So I was like, I, I won't give up. Oh, I that keep is going. great. Are your parents musical at all? Your brother? Are they musical at all? My brother used to be a drummer, oh. great drummer, but he doesn't he doesn't play the drums already many many years. Oh. And uh, my uh-huh. my parents no they don't play any instruments. But my grandfather was a poet and a kind of a guitar player as well. Oh, okay. So that's where I got my kind of the love for the kind of the rhymes and the wordplay was because my grandfather used to write a lot of poetry, and he wrote it and his poetry is all in Russian because my family originally comes from Russia. But uh, oh, okay. So uh, hearing him like recite his poems and all that, I was like, oh, that's really interesting. I really like how that sounds. So probably that's where the whole passion for it began. Yeah, it looks like you got it from your grandfather, kind of missed, yeah. missed a generation and, and got it from your grandfather. Yeah. Oh, that is yeah. interesting. What musical instruments do you play? I used to play the piano long, long ago, mm-hmm. but I haven't played the piano. I haven't played the piano in, oh, <laughs> maybe... <laughs> 14, 15 years I haven't played the piano. And that was classical piano, right? Yeah, yeah, I used to play the whole, everything. And and, and now, do you play any instruments at all? No, I wouldn't, I I wouldn't say that I can play an instrument. Oh, really? But yeah, yeah, well, rapping doesn't really need, well, doesn't really need music. I mean, it does, because you kind of just use, yeah? It doesn't, it can work without music. Yes. Capella is also very possible, yes. Right. Have I ever, Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, if I've mm-hmm. ever come across a rapper who actually plays a musical instrument and rap at the same time. Oh, I know a few. I know a few. I know a few of these rappers. Because it's not easy, right? It's very hard to concentrate on the, be able to play the piano. I, but I know a few. <laughs> Usually those, those rappers, they're also their own beat makers. So they make their own beats and then they rap as well. Because oh. to make beats, you have to know how to play a piano. Like it's just oh. every person that plays beat, makes beats knows how to play a piano. Oh, wow. Are you going to challenge yourself to that <laughs> someday? One day? You know what? Yeah, I will. I, I, I really do want to learn how to. I, I mean, I, I kind of, I used to play pretty well the piano, but I forgot everything. I feel like if I really concentrate, because I have yeah. a piano in my house, yeah. if I really, really concentrate on it, maybe like 
two, three months, I'm sure I'll be able to kind of be able、mm. to pick it back up. Okay, so do you recall the very, very first completed song that you've done, and what was it about? What inspired that first rap song? I remember I had a piece of paper that、mm. I wrote on in school when I was like. They're about thirteen. I remember. It, I don't know. I might have that piece of paper still somewhere. Oh, you, if you do, you should keep like, it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know、Frame、where it is it. though. That's okay. It's、oh. somewhere. It's somewhere. Oh, but it was. It was horrible. It was just. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Tune in next week to hear more from Nia Plumsky about his love for rapping and what he likes about Taiwan. For In the Spotlight, I'm Shirley Lin. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kilohertz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kilohertz. And in Southeast Asia, from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kilohertz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kilohertz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to PO Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's PO Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me/radiotaiwanintl. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me/radiotaiwanintl for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.